Thank you. Titled, wow, that's a little loud there. <laughs> My wife always says she can't ever hear me. I imagine you hear me now. <laughs> I've entitled the message this morning, Delighting in the Fear of God. Delighting in the Fear of God. The word fear, I'm sure, conjures up mostly negative feelings rather than positive feelings of positive emotions. As a culture, or as a society, we have many fears. Today we fear global terrorism. We fear the next pandemic. Last night I heard on the news that Putin is threatening nuclear conflict in Ukraine. So I'm sure there are people who fear a nuclear combat, a nuclear outbreak. And we fear the influx of influx of drugs and fentanyl and the death caused by those things. Then there are personal fears. We fear the failure, that we fear failure. That's uh, one reason, the main reason why I never tried to expand and become a company. I thought, if I buy a couple trucks and hire a couple guys, what well, if I don't get to work? And they would pay my bills. And so fear of failure prevented me from really wanting to expand. I remained just a one-man operation all these years. We fear for the safety of our kids at school. Right now, schools have to take special measures to guard against people coming in when they shouldn't. Um, and we fear the loss of a job, or we fear the loss, the death of a loved one. So there are many personal fears that we face as well. And yet, there are times we seek out failure, or fear. There are times we seek fear, such as in October around uh, Halloween. People go to quote-unquote haunted houses, I guess because they enjoy somebody jumping out from behind the door and scaring them half to death. Or we seek out fear because we like to watch horror movies few days ago, I was working in a house, had to repair the plumbing, and I was up on the, almost up the second floor on a landing, and three women lived in the house. They were, they were running the house, and I could tell they were watching a scary movie because I heard them down there, oh, oh, and all of a sudden, ah! <laughs> so they were watching a scary movie. I watched one horror movie in my lifetime, and never again will I watch one. I was about... Uh, 13 years old, we were visiting my grandma in Rensselaer, Indiana. I had a cousin, her name was Christy, and it was a Friday night, and we were at my, our grandmother's house, and the movie Psycho came out. Now, it's pretty mild compared to what you see today, but that was the first and last horror movie I ever watched. We watched it, and uh, my cousin lived on the other side of Rensselaer. And so I told her I'd walk her home because she was scared to go by herself. I don't remember what we talked. I know we talked on the way to her house. 
I don't remember what we talked about. I may have held her hand, I'm not sure, but on the way I kept thinking, hey, stupid, you got to walk back by yourself. <laughs> so um, that's the last horror movie I ever watched, and I have no interest. I don't like being scared to death, you know, so I don't care to watch those things. And yet the Scriptures make it clear that as believers— we have been delivered from our fears. Now, I'm not sure if we can be delivered from fear of horror movies, but uh, fear such as the loss of a job and the next pandemic and mass shootings and so on and so forth. Luke 1, 7, verses 74 and 75 say, We have been delivered from our fears, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And Paul writes in Romans 8:15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. To Timothy he wrote, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 4, 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2, 15, that Jesus came for the specific reason to deliver us from fear of death. And indeed, the most often repeated command in scriptures, do not be afraid. But yet, we read other verses that say things like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And David prayed in Psalm 86.11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear you, to fear your name. And take, for example, what God said to, about Job to Satan when Satan came and accused Job, God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. That's Job 1.8. Turn to Genesis chapter 20. Israel has gathered at Mount Sinai, and God is giving Moses the law. Genesis 20, verses 18 through 20. I'm sorry, that's the wrong 18. I wrote down the wrong verses. Um, I even read these verses. Uh, 
I'm sorry, it's Exodus 20. Exodus 20. Verses 18 through 20. Exodus 20, verses 18 through 20. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. We see a contrast here. The same word where it says that they were feared is the same word that, that Moses uses when he says, God has come to test you, that the fear of him, they're the same words. But we see a contrast here. What Moses is saying is, if you have the fear of God, you will not be afraid of God. If you have the fear of God, you will not be afraid of God. So there's a distinction between being fearing God and having the fear of God. In what we call the Magnificat, Mary says, And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul, says we are, he, Paul tells us we are to bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Philippians 2.12, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying that we should strive to attain our salvation. He's saying that we should work out what the Spirit's already worked in within us. We're not striving for salvation, but striving to work out what God has already accomplished in us. And in Colossians 3, Paul encourages slaves to serve with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. But the greatest surprise may come and turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 3. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. I don't know how many times I've read those verses. At least once a year as I read my Bible through and at Christmas time, I'm sure I've had those verses read to me or had them quoted. But I never notice it says the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You, you could put the word spirit in it. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And not only that, 
His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Now, you'll search in vain in the Scriptures to find a time when Jesus was afraid of the Father. But yet it says, His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. It's not something that he accepted reluctantly or unwillingly, but he accepted it with delight. All this may leave us confused and discouraged. On the one hand, we're not, we've been delivered from our fears. But on the other hand, we're told to fear and, and to fear God himself. So what is this fear of God? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? It must be a good thing if Jesus himself accepted it with delight. I think we have two types of fear of God. The one first type of the fear of God is, is we call a sinful fear. It's a type of fear that the demons have in James chapter 2, verse 19, I think it is, where James says, the demons believe and shudder. The demons believe and shudder. Notice that their belief doesn't lead, lead to their salvation. They believe in Jesus, but they shudder at who he is. It's a type of fear that Adam had when he sinned. In fact, Adam was the first person to experience this being afraid of God. And as being afraid of God arises from his sin. Remember, Adam and Eve hid themselves after they ate of the fruit of the tree. And they heard, it says Adam heard God walking through the garden. And God said, where are you, Adam? What did Adam say? What did Adam say? I was afraid, so I hid myself. And God said, well, why are you afraid? Did you eat of the tree? So sinful fear arises from our sin. Its essential nature is that it causes us to run away from God rather than to God. It's the type of fear that Moses wanted to deliver the Israelites from at Mount Sinai, where he said, do not fear, for God wants to put the fear of God in you. And let me say this. The unbeliever, the one who has rejected the gospel, has every right to be afraid of God. The writer of Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a righteous God. Sadly, Christians are not immune, are not immune to this type of sinful fear. Hard times, our failures, we feel Satan accusing us, and we become afraid of because of our failures. In fact, that's Satan's Satan's work. That's the devil's work to cause us to doubt. God, to doubt his, our assurance, to doubt our salvation, to doubt God's love for us, and thus cause us to be afraid of God. Whereas the work of the Holy Spirit is to produce 
the fear of God that draws us to Him. The fear of God that draws us to Him. So sinful fear comes as a result of sin. But then there's the right fear of God. The right fear of God has nothing to do with being afraid of Him. It is a delightful, joyful, exhilarating response to God that causes us to run to Him and fall into His embrace and exalt in who He is and what He has done and is doing for us. Turn to Jeremiah 32, passage that Pastor read from this morning. I'll start with verse 38 through 40. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and I will plant them in the land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. There is not one word of threat, not one word of punishment in those verses. And God says, I'll put the fear of me in their heart. Turn to Jeremiah 33, verses 8 and 9. I'll start with verse 6. Behold, I will bring health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be a name of joy, a praise, and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. Their fear and trembling is caused by all the good things that God has promised to do for them. You know, you can tremble for different reasons. You can tremble in fear. Maybe you watched the movie Saving Private Ryan. In that movie, there's a scene in which there's a major battle going on in a city that's been bombed. And the U.S. Army has somebody up in a high building with a machine gun. And he needs more ammunition. And you see the, the young kid with all the ammo carrying, and he, he freezes. And I'm sitting there watching him. Get going, you coward. Get him his ammunition. He's going to run out of ammunition. He's going to end up having to get killed. And he froze. He trembled because he was scared to death. There is a certain fear you experience the first time you go through combat. It gets better, but the first time is the worst. I remember the first time I went through a rocket attack, mortar attack. The movies get it wrong. In the movies, you hear the rocket whistle, and then it hit, and it 
You, if you hear the whistle, you're safe. But that whistle is awfully loud, and it scares you to death, and you tremble because you think that thing's going to land around the top of your head. But if you hear a whistle, it's past you. I learned that. You wanted to hear the whistle. The, the ones that get you are the ones you don't hear. So you can tremble because you're fra afraid. But you can also tremble because you're excited about something good that's going to happen. I remember standing in the old church building that's over here. Be 51 years ago this July 28th. That day, I went and picked up the wedding rings, and the girl in the jewelry stop, jewelry store, complimented me, complimented me about how calm I was. Well, then that evening came, and I was standing at the front of the aisle, and I saw my wife to be start down the aisle, and my legs began to shake. I wasn't scared. I was anticipating something good happening. So you can tremble because you anticipate something good is going to happen. And I think in these verses in Jeremiah, you see that, that the people of Israel trembled because of all the good that God was going to do for them. Again, there's not one word of threat but promise after promise after promise of blessing and goodness. Turn to Genesis 31. Genesis 31, verse 42. This is when Jacob has fled from uh, Laban, and Laban has caught up with him and accused him of stealing things. And Jacob's response was, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, that's a title for God. That's a title, a name of God. The fear of Isaac had not been on my side. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. Does it surprise you that one of the names of God is fear? You know, we, I think we have a tendency to focus on the negative things that, of the people in Scripture. We focus on the, the negative of, of, the, of Abraham and of Isaac and, and, and their failures. But think of the influence that Isaac must have had on Jacob and his, the strength of his faith for Jacob to say, my father, his fear was, was God. So he must have left quite an impression concerning his faith with Jacob. In Job chapter 1 again, After God has said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, who there's no one like him and he fears me? This is Satan's response, Job 1, verses 9 through 12. Uh, 
verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. One of the reasons Job feared God was all the good that God had done for him. Clearly, a right fear of God does not arise out of a perception of a God who is vindictive or cruel, but arises from faith in the mercy and goodness of God. We have seen how this fear of God reacts. But what is it? What is the fear of God? Psalm 145, verses 19 through 20. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Deuteronomy, let me turn to Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 5. Now this is a commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them, that may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey." Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house. So sometimes the fear of God and love of God are seen as parallel. It's not that the fear of God is the flip side of our love for God. They are one and the same. The fear of God describes the intensity of our love for God. Sometimes the fear of God and joy or delight are seen as parallel. Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Happy is the one who fears or joyful. Nehemiah 1.11, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Psalm 2.11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 112, verse 1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And again, Psalm 147, verses 10 11. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. 
But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. So not only do we take delight in the fear of the Lord or have joy in the fear of the Lord, God takes delight in the fact that we fear him. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. We've seen examples of God's goodness overwhelming God's people, but sometimes it's God's wisdom that overwhelms us. Jeremiah 10, 7. Who would not fear you, O king of nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdom, there's none like you. Revelation 15, verse 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Perhaps what causes the greatest fear and fear of God and the positive fear of God you see in Psalm 130, verse 4. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Again, that's not talking about being afraid of God. It's talking about the fear of God which draws us to him. If you've never been forgiven, I don't believe you can ever take great delight in God's wisdom, in God's holiness, in God's goodness, and God's greatness. If you've never been forgiven, you, you would not want to appear in the presence of God. So forgiveness creates a good fear of God which draws us to him. Because at the cross, my certificate of debt was wiped out. I was made alive together with Christ. And when God looks at the cross, he sees me. But when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. Because I've been forgiven. With you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Because on the hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross for the dearest and best, for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, the old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. Because the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it 
to dark Calvary. Have you experienced God's forgiveness? The fear of God, not only delight is the delight, but it also causes us to obey God. Causes us to want to obey God. And when we fail, we are miserable because we know we've offended the one who loved us so greatly. So the fear of God not only defines our love for God and our joy in God, it prompts us to trust in God. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Maybe God hasn't blessed us with great wealth like he did with Abraham and Isaac and some of the others, but he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And the work, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is at work within us. The fear of God defines the intensity of our love for God and defines the joy we have in the fear of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that in you we have forgiveness, that you have become our Redeemer, and we can take great delight in fearing you because of your great love and all the good that you do for us. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.